You're listening to Touch the Line Podcast. Touch the Line Podcast. Focused on leadership, culture, and building a team. Here's your host, Evan Silver. All right, welcome to Touch the Line. Today we have my friend Keanu. We haven't known each other long, but you know when you meet someone and you just like instantly connect? That's him. Keanu, tell everyone your last name because I do not want to butcher it because I have a phobia of getting people's names wrong. I appreciate it. People butcher my first name all the time. Keanu. Keanu like Keanu Reeves, but my last name is Trujillo. Keanu Trujillo. Thanks for having me, Evan. Yeah, man. Were you named after Keanu Reeves at all? I actually was. I was with some business partners recently who are a little bit older, a little bit more seasoned in life, and they (laughs) like calling me Point Break. (laughs) <laughs> and I told him plot twist. I was actually named after Keanu and Point Break because that movie came out in 91. I was born in 93 and my mom loved the name Keanu. And so it just stuck. Dude, that is awesome. That's the coolest. I have a buddy of mine. His name's Clint. He's named after Clint Eastwood. Those that your story and his story are pretty awesome. Tell everyone who you are and why you're on the podcast today. Kind of tell everybody what you do. Sure. So I own and run a couple of businesses now, but my primary is a company called True Strategy, where we use the Enneagram and my leadership experience and background and experience to help people develop their businesses and their teams. So we use the Enneagram. I think that's kind of what more and more I'm becoming known as this Enneagram wizard, as you would call it. Uh, But it was because it was most, most impactful for me. My wife, she's a nine on the Enneagram, which is a peacemaker. I'm an eight on the Enneagram, which is a challenger, very aggressive and intense. She's a bit more um, calm and tranquil. And uh, this had huge impact in my life. Uh, Just to share a quick story as to why I'm so passionate about it. uh, My wife being a nine, the peacemaker, when we'd be in conflict or tension, she would absolutely shut down or flee the scene. And for me, I always, before I found the Enneagram, even of course, I always moved towards conflict because I just believe that, hey, some things are worth fighting for. So I would want to fight through things or, or, you know, address these things as a married couple. And she just would not. And I started to realize that I was wanting to make her more like me to be a little bit more aggressive and intense. And she was wanting to make me more like her to be more calm and and relaxed. And we lose 10 times out of 10 when we try to do that, right? When we try to make someone be more like us instead of accepting them for who they are. Yeah. But when we found the Enneagram, it gave full, uh, light to what was going on underneath the surface as an eight and as a nine. And so it accelerated my marriage. And then I worked for Elevation Church for a time and I used it in my leadership and developing leaders for the church. And uh, then that naturally led into my business now, which is developing others and their businesses and their teams using that leadership experience and the Enneagram. I, I love it. And there's probably some people listening right now going, what is the Enneagram? Would you say it's like, and again, I just know surface level. So that's why I'm excited about this conversation is because I'm going to learn some things as well. So the Enneagram, is it a personality test? Kind of like what's the history behind the Enneagram? Yeah. So it's a personality tool. It dates back as early as 400 AD. And the earliest belief was that, all right, I'm, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. We believe in the word of God. Well, the word tells us that we're made in God's likeness and God's image. Well, we believe that to be true, but then why are we all so different? So then began a study of people um, and it has deep roots in psychology as well and just understanding how people think. But the study started to form what now is the Enneagram, which is nine different personality types, Ennea meaning nine, 
uh, on a diagram that shows us how we interact or how we navigate our personality and then also how we navigate and understand others' personalities. Interesting. So it's been around a while. So you didn't start it. I'm no, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so give us uh, give us a snapshot of the Enneagram. What are the different types? So everybody it, it has a number, correct? Yes. Now, there's people listening right now. I have a friend of mine. Um, he was like, don't don't push me into a number like don't cater, you know, so right. but the more he learned about himself and the Enneagram, he was like, yep, I'm an eight. <laughs> and it's probably yeah. something that was probably be something an eight would say, right? Right. Yes. An eight does, <laughs> uh, an eight does not like to be controlled. Uh, they do not like to be in any way limited sevens as well. And so for an eight to be pushed and said, hey, you're this, they're going to absolutely move away from that. So the uh, the Enneagram, to give a, a base understanding for everyone, if you can walk away with one thing from this, you don't have to be an Enneagram expert. Know this. There are nine different ways of viewing the world. There are nine different ways of processing information. So that way, then we stop trying to, like I said, I did with my wife, make everyone see the world like we do and understand, hey, there are other perspectives. And just because I see it this way does not make me right. It makes me right in my own eyes, as scripture would tell us, every man is right in his own eyes, but that doesn't mean we are right. I need to learn how to understand those uh, around us. And um, so Ian Morgan Cron, he wrote a great book on the Enneagram called The Road Back to You. I'd recommend it to anyone that's starting to get introduced to the Enneagram. And he says that the Enneagram does not put us in a box. Rather, it shows us the box we are already living in. So regardless of any type of personality tool, all of us are existing inside of this box of who we are. And we're just seeing things as as chance, right? This is kind of who I am, or this is kind of what I do. And I guess it's all by accident. But again, being a believer, if God was so intentional in the way he created us in our physical formation, then why would he not be as intentional in our personality as well? Right. So to to dive into the nine types, you want me to give a quick overview of the nine types there? Yes, please. Evan? Yes. So there are nine types. They are uh, numbered one through nine, but they also have names, which I find makes it easy for people to pick it up. The type one is the perfectionist. I'm going to go 30,000 foot view on all of these to get through all nine. But the type one perfectionist, also known as an improver, they see things not for what they are, but what they can be and how they can be better. So a type one is always trying to improve on something. They don't look for the mistakes or they don't look for the things that can be better. Those things look for them. So when a type one walks into a room or they walk into a business or they're studying something, they can't help but see uh, the imperfections. And then they feel the responsibility to make them better. That's why their name is the perfectionist or an improver. Uh, The type two is the helper. They give the shirt off of their back. I'm, I'm pretty sure our, our good friend, Daniel Mason Jones, is a type two. They are driven by service to others. And so they're not satisfied in, in what they accomplish. They're satisfied in who they serve. So they'll constantly be giving and giving and serving and finding ways to serve others, given their skills, their talents, and those around them. So that's the type two helper. The type three is the achiever, dri- driven towards success. So they want to be successful, but also the appearance of successful is important to being successful is important to them. So that's the achiever. They will find, I I have it on our assessment uh, that the type three can often be prone to taking shortcuts and, uh, you know, kind of cutting corners. And I was talking to a client who's a type three. He said, I don't think I cut corners. I find the fastest way to get something done and I do it. (laughs) Is that not the same thing? Yeah, <laughs> but but that's how they're driven. You know, nothing is nothing is impossible. 
They are absolutely that achiever mentality. Type four is the individualist or the romantic. They are very introspective in their emotions and the way that they feel. Very, very creative in nature. You'll find a lot of artists in this field. I haven't found a ton of entrepreneurs or business owners that are fours, but I have encountered great leaders uh, in ministry that were type fours because they find creative ways to look at something different. Not only do they want to look at things different, but they want to be different. So they do not like being plain or mundane or compared to anyone else. They want to really stand out and separate themselves for being different and unique. And they want everything else around them to be different and unique as well. Uh, The type five is the investigator. So the type five, knowledge is power. They want to take in as much knowledge and information as possible. They're the one in the meeting that when the meeting's about to wrap, they ask that, I have one more question, always with one more question (laughs) and taking in more knowledge. But when they have that knowledge, when they truly do believe, okay, I have enough, they start really knocking down doors and moving forward. But overall, they're a very cerebral or in, they live in their mind kind of type, always processing uh, and gathering information. The type six is the loyalist. So the type six is driven by support, security, and guidance. They want support, security, and guidance for themselves and those around them. They're always looking for as a loyalist, right? How can I provide that for others? But how can I also make sure that I'm maintaining that for myself, which naturally creates in type six, their worst case scenario thinkers. So they will constantly be thinking of the worst case scenario and planning for it. Now, again, that can be leveraged as a strength. Every strength left unchecked can become a liability. Every liability harnessed can become a strength. So we need people like that. And I believe your wife is a six. So she, yep. so where you're, you know, pioneering ways for the business, she's coming behind like, okay, and let's make sure we're considering these things so we can get it done correct, right? Or yep. take care of ourselves. And then the type seven, Evan, the enthusiast, the enthusiast is, is never satisfied to the to the best uh, the, the best of us in that they're always looking for uh, and pioneering new ways. They do not want to manage or maintain things, but they will be the first to jump out and lead them. So a ton of sevens like launching churches or launching businesses that is like a dream job for a seven. I get to go into where there's nothing and build something and lead and create. And so they're always looking for those external experiences, adventures, opportunities. And the type eight is the challenger. I'm a type eight, very intense, very aggressive, very direct, oftentimes seen as confrontational. Uh, Think though, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was very intense and confrontational in his approach, but it was always to serve a bigger mission. It wasn't about him. It was for providing for others. So using all that intensity and that strength to clear a path for others. I like to say eights at their best, they're a snowplow. At their worst, they're a bulldozer. So when they're at their best, they're clearing away for other people to get to their destination. At their worst, they're a bulldozer. They're just scooping everyone up and saying, all right, let's go. Let's, let's get it done, which can be quite damaging. And I experienced that quite often in my life before I found the Enneagram uh, because I just thought it's natural, right? We all think, hey, this is just how I operate. And uh, that couldn't be further from the truth. We all have the ability to grow even in our natural tendencies. And then the type nine, finally, the peacemaker. So the type nine sits atop the Enneagram. If you were looking at the picture of it, they are naturally able to empathize with anyone and everyone because yes, they fear conflict, but even more than that, they don't just fear conflict for the sake of fearing conflict. They fear what they believe conflict brings, which is disconnection. And they always want to be connected to people or building connections or connecting others So they really are afraid of that discord. However, because of that, they're naturally able to connect and bring things together. Like I like to say, if you and I were arguing and there was a nine sitting at the table, 
we would both think the nine is on both of our sides. See, see, they get me, they understand me <laughs> and truly they understand both of us. And they're trying to look for ways to connect us. So that's high level, the nine different Enneagram types. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you going through those. And I know that was a 30,000 foot view of each one. Now <clears throat> we've both used the Enneagrams in our marriage and we see how it's, it's helped. I want to take a moment and talk about tough conversations. Have you ever had to have a tough conversation with an employee and you think about what you're going to say, what they're going to say and how they're going to react and you get this pit in your stomach and you can't sleep at night? Well, I have. But fortunately, after many mistakes that I have made and after being around great leaders and mentors, I have now created an online course on how to win at tough conversations. Not how to win the conversation, but how both parties can become better versions of themselves on the other side of a tough conversation. All this is on my website at evansilver.co. That's evansilver.co. You just click on the online course. This course is video, has PDFs attached to it, and it's only $99. So check out how to win tough conversations on evansilver.co. So you're an eight, your wife is a nine, correct? Yes, sir. So she's a peacemaker. Don't say yes, sir. I pre- I know we're both in the South. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in the Southwest, we have respect for everyone. <laughs> um, tell me how the Enneagram, like before the Enneagram and then after, like how things you guys started to, did you start to realize how each personality was and how you approach situations? Kind of dissect that a little bit. Specifically for my marriage? Yeah. Yeah. So I love this question because before the Enneagram, we had been married about a year. And so we were still going through that first year of understanding each other and addressing conflict with, you know, in-laws and wherever else conflict exists when you're married (laughs) in your first year. And even though we thought we knew each other well, this is true for any marriage, no matter how long you dated, how long you were together, uh, you come to find out that there's still so much more to learn. And even people I, you know, we've met that have been married for decades, still learning and understanding each other. So before the Enneagram, like I said, there was a lot that we were doing to try and make each other more like ourselves. So why can't you just be more like this? And, and we don't consciously say that, of course, we're not that uh, naive to say, why can't you be more like me? But in our actions, we communicate that, right? Think about yeah. driving in the car with your wife. Well, look Ooh. out for that or get in the fast lane or this and that. And I like to equate it when I'm, I'm doing couple seminars or coaching couples um, without this understanding. It's kind of like sitting in the backseat, being a backseat driver, but not truly trying to just understand them. And that's just a headache for everyone. You're sitting in the passenger seat mm-hmm. telling them, do it this way, do it that way, do it this way. They're getting frustrated. You're getting frustrated because they're not doing it like you. When we can find a better way and just understand, hey, they're going to do it like that. I can leverage that or understand that. And then they can do the same thing for me and understanding me. So before, like I said, she's very um, calm, relaxed, laid back. She's not prone to make big decisions or to uh, really take risk. I am. I'm the exact opposite. I love big decisions. I love risk. I love uh, conflict or tension because I just, I just love the connection that it brings. And she's the opposite. And so when we found the Enneagram at first, she actually resisted it. For about six months after I found it, she totally resisted it. I don't want to know. I don't want to be classified. You know, all of those things. So now when any person in business has objections, I'm like, I dealt with this with my wife for too long. I'll get you. Uh, and we know our wives, our spouses are the hardest ones to coach. But um, 
little by little, she started to explore it and started to really dig into what was going on. And more than that, she saw the transformation in me. She started to see the person that I was becoming and understanding who I was and growing closer in um, my, my business relationships and, and with Christ. And she saw, okay, there's something there. I think I have to experience it. So then she found it and started to understand what it meant to be a nine. And now our conflict looks totally different. I understand how I need to approach her, although I still fail. I know how I can approach her to get a better result. And then she as well knows how she can approach me and in getting a better result. So we started to see each other through each other's lenses instead of trying to make each other see it through our lens. Mm, game changer. <laughs> same thing. Absolutely. Kind of the same thing. My wife is a six. I'm a seven. So, you know, like, especially in business, I'm the dreamer. I'm like, what if we did this? And she's the person that's like tugging at my shirt, like, hey, cash flow this month is a little low. Can we pause on that? And so before she would, <clears throat> she would just say, no, we're not doing that. And again, you know, the Enneagram, it shuts, like I would just shut down because I feel like I'm being, you know, um, controlled or constricted. But with her being a six, like, I'm so thankful for that because she's planning out. She's, you know, she's thinking worst case scenario. I said this when I was on your podcast, there's, there's a company, I need to figure out the name of the company, but there's two owners. One was a six, one was a seven. The six said, if it wasn't for the seven, we wouldn't be as successful. And if it wasn't for and the, the other guy said, if it wasn't for the six, we wouldn't be as successful as we were. So they, you know, a six and a seven, I feel like once they understand each other, it, it, it works beautifully. <laughs> and I always say, people are like, how do you and your wife work together? I'm like, well, you got to figure out each other's personality, which hopefully you do that before you go work in a company together, but then you right. find your lane and you stay in it. So we've seen how it really benefits our marriage. How have you seen it benefit a company? Because there's probably somebody right now listening going, well, how is this going to be? How is this podcast benefiting me? Now, I've got my own answer. I would love to see like what you've experienced in businesses when people start to learn each other's Enneagram type. Well, our mission at True Strategy is accelerate relationships, accelerate results. So it can all be encompassed in that. When you accelerate relationships, you get to any result. Our problem as leaders is that we're so driven towards results. And that's why we're leaders, because some of us just naturally gravitate towards getting things done and seeing results. It just happens. So then we try to replicate that in others. And we see a lot of uh, attrition or churn in our business because they're just not wired like us. So we think, oh, they don't get it. But we're missing out on such great opportunities in people. So when you accelerate relationships, the Enneagram helps us to accelerate relationships by speaking to the core of who a person is. And when you as a leader steward that properly, you can accelerate relationships rather fast. I think that's why even you and I are as close as we are now, having never even met in person yet, right? Right. Because we were able to dig deep and understand through the lens of the Enneagram, all right, how are we wired and how do we just build that relationship? So when you can do that with someone on your team, it's very disarming for them. At first, it might feel like, wow, this is scary, accurate, and I don't know what to do with this. But it helps to break down the walls that we naturally all build around ourselves. And so if, let's say when I'm coaching CEOs or or business owners, hey, if you can communicate this with your team, and I do a lot of private stuff, but also team workshops. And especially in the team workshops, we get into understanding the dynamic as a team and really seeing how they communicate and how they operate. Well, now that we know these deep things about each other, what's the point in hiding, right? Now I know, and you know that, hey, that thing that I did that frustrated you, 
it wasn't just to frustrate you. It comes from this deep rooted core uh, internal driver that the Enneagram exposed. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then there's a lot more grace and empathy for understanding that, Hey, it's not that that person is wrong or bad or not a good fit for the company. They just don't see it the way I do. And I don't see it the way they do. And that's fine because there's so much more there that we can get to. So once we accelerate the relationship, our understanding of each other, then we can accelerate the results. Because I tell this to business owners and leaders all the time. If you just lean into relationship, you will see the results, right? I, I had a mentor tell me before I got married, and this is before, of course, I found the Enneagram, but he told me if I spent more time loving my wife than trying to fix my wife, mm-hmm. I would have saved myself a whole lot of pain. And I see that in business as well. And I think there is an old guard of executives and leaders that are phasing out, but there's still plenty that think, show up and do your job and go home. With the generations that are coming up right now, you are going to find yourself either a dead or dying company because the people that, the talent that you want to attract, they're not looking for a job. They're not looking for a retirement plan. They are looking for purpose. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for belonging. And if you can't shift to that, your business is going to phase out with you. So the Enneagram just helps us to to do that, to accelerate the relationship and then the results come. Uh, that's why you see the companies that are super successful, as successful as they are now, you know, like a Google type company, it's because it's heavy on relationships and then results happen. Things get done when relationships are built. People don't quit their job. They quit their boss, right? Yeah. So it just helps in, in a various ways. And we do that very practically. We integrate it in people's hiring. We integrate it in people's development. We'll do uh, team workshops to help understand each other. Like I said, uh, so with some companies, I'm almost like a, a partner in development. So they don't want to hire someone and they don't want to do it. So I put them on retainer and we do development ongoing in that way. So there's a lot of practical application. But like I said, I can distill it into that. We accelerate relationships to accelerate results. Man, that was awesome. I feel like we need to press pause, hit that back button, go back and listen to that. Because <laughs> you you said so much truth. I hear you know people say, well, I just... Just leave your personal things at the door. And I'm like, what? Like, I get it. Sometimes we want to think that, like, oh my gosh, just bring. But as leaders, like we've got, we've got to say, hey, come in. Like it's okay not to be okay. You know, right. let's let as long as you're willing to move forward, we're here to help. Well, Keanu, that was that was incredible. I think this time was very valuable for me. And I think for a lot of our listeners now we are, we're going to have you in our own salon company this fall. You're going to come in and you said you can do like a, a a couple hour presentation and kind of skim the surface because you, and I'll pitch it to you here in just a second to tell what you do, but I know you do assessments and I did one and good grief, like, it went so detailed. It was awesome. So you're going to come in our company and basically I want people to start seeing each other as like, Hey, that person's not built like me. So I need to communicate differently. I need to approach them differently because they're going to think different. So tell them like, you know, a little bit about your company and what you offer and like where they can find you on social media and on the web. Sure. So I have all socials at True Strategy, but you can also find me personally, uh, Keanu underscore Trujillo. 
It's not as active on my personal side. I'm trying to build the company side of socials. But on uh, our website, you can find a link to our podcast, blog, all of that information, truestrategy.info. You can also find the assessment there so that way you can experience the assessment that Evan was talking about. Beautiful. Well, hey, man, thanks for coming on. I would like to have you on a little bit later to kind of dive in. Maybe we could do a two-part, like we could do like the first four or five and do the second part of the latter half. So, you know, people can kind of get a little bit more of the Enneagram, but man, I appreciate our friendship, even though it's a digital friendship. Um, (laughs) And you've got a great podcast called more than numbers. So you're listening to this podcast. You're looking for another one. Go ahead and, you know, after this ends, search more than numbers, hit that subscribe button. And uh, Keanu, you're a great dude. Thank you for taking time out of your day to uh, spend time with me and love on our listeners. Sure. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Thank you, Evan. Thank you, everyone, for supporting this podcast. Evan is an amazing leader uh, teaching us all to always touch the line. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to Touch the Line Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel wherever you're listening.